The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 156 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. We just uh, we're in the middle of the conference finals. It, it oddly doesn't feel like it with these final four teams, but that's where we are. It it felt like this was the busiest week of like the NBA season. Obviously, it's it's actually been eight days since we recorded, but we <laughs> we had two game sevens that were both quite good. We had so many coaches get fired. <laughs> Well, Stand we really in. like we we're doing once a week, and that's impossible in the playoffs. We you could you could do a podcast every four hours, and it we, would get outdated. Yeah, it's and, and it's not even it's not even that. It's just that like it, this is kind of like when everyone says like, "Hey, the NBA regular season is just like boring," and, and and this is what it like leads up to. Like you just have like good games every night, and then like you have coaches getting fired, Chris Pauls, and like COVID protocol, Kawhi Leonard. We've got different injuries all the time, and and now and then the Kemba Walker trade. Kemba Walker gets traded for Al Horford. It's 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 quite insane, and it, it makes me laugh about the times that you and I would like kind of text back and forth and get on and be like, "Hey, what are we going to talk about this week?" Like nothing crazy has happened, and then I would say in in ten days we had all that stuff happening, and then Tuesday night was also the NBA lottery, which is you know, some people's favorite time of the year. So I guess we should start with the fact start that with we, the have, games. we yeah. have a series. We have two series still going on. So Bucks and Hawks start on Wednesday night. So you'll hear we won't really talk about game one of that series or, or really preview it a ton just because uh, by the time you listen to this game, one will already happened. But we do have the Phoenix Suns up 2-0 against the Los Angeles Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Tuesday night game. Very, very odd. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would call it odd, actually, but like the ending took an hour. Like the last two minutes of the game took so long, but it it, it, it was ends good with, game though. It was, it was a really good game. It was a really good game. It has like sort of like aside from like super superstars, um, maybe Devin Booker and Paul George. I don't know. I mean, are they top fifteen players? I don't know, but it had almost everything you want in a game. It was super close. You know, you had some testiness, you had some possibly broken noses. You had some controversy. I mean, Devin Booker's nose looked really terrible at the end of the game. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. It's really interesting. We've talked about, well, on the plus side, his girlfriend knows a lot of plastic surgeons, so maybe they could. I probably won't have to cut that out. Uh, I I would say this, like, we have talked a lot about Ty Lue, and he's down 2-0 in another series. This is now the third straight series that they've gone down two games to none. They won against Dallas in seven. They won against Utah in six. Uh, caught a couple lucky breaks in all of these series. But they, they lost both these games without Chris Paul. Uh, I mean, obviously, they don't have Kawhi. but The MVP Chris Paul, you mean? Yeah, MVP Chris Paul. But I, I think like Ty Lue is really an interesting study because they, they go back to Zubach and Patrick Beverly on Tuesday night in the starting lineup, which I kind of thought we were done with, right? Like I, I just kind of thought it was over. Like those guys weren't going to be starters. And 
They wanted to go to those guys for more of a defensive presence. And obviously DeAndre Ayton still played really well and ends up with a game-winning dunk, which I actually thought Zubac made an okay play on. He just kind of got himself too far under the hoop to to be able to break up the pass. But but they really did what they set out to do. Like they, they really bothered Devin Booker, who goes for 40 in game one, and then every single thing was difficult for him in game two. And, and I think like, I, I don't know how to say this, but like, I, I think there's a really, really strong argument that Ty Lu is like far and away the best coach remaining in the playoffs. And if I'm a Clippers fan, I'm not, I, I'm upset about being down 2-0, especially because of, you know, they, the Suns didn't have Chris Paul, but I'm not like panicked. I, I'm really not. I don't think. Well, Paul George said that he said, we are very comfortable in this situation, obviously having done it before. Um, I think you're right. Like I, you know, there's coaches have different qualities, but Ty Lue does have, you know, you talk about like Luka Doncic's passing ability, his vision, you know, LeBron, same thing. Like maybe Ty Lue just has that like X factor as a coach, like the feel for the game, at least in terms of his rotations. And we said before, he does have the benefit of a, even without Kawhi Leonard, a lot of like pieces in like the chest, even with Serge Ibaka injured, like they, they have like 10 guys that they could play minutes. And it's just like, how do you mix and match up? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things, one of the things I'll always just assume about the Clippers. And this is why I just, I, I will say this for the, for the record. I know there's rumors floating around that like Kawhi's like got a torn ACL. And then there's other rumors that he's going to come back. I, I have been told that it would be very, very surprising. Like just knowing what we know about how he handles injuries, even if he was capable of coming back at like, 50%, we're not going to see Kawhi do what James Harden did, where he just comes back and he's in, like incredibly diminished. He's not going to like put himself at risk. So I would imagine that Kawhi's done. Uh, for- and if that's true, like the Clippers, like if you're like the underdog, you need to win those close ones, you know, yeah. and, and get you, fortunate you have, in that way. You have to win Tuesday night. Like you can't yeah. have Paul George at the line with eight seconds left, go over two. And then lose. Like, honestly, they, they, they did a great job on the last play of the game. I, I, I will. I just want to go into this for one second because yeah. this is kind of like Jeff Van Gundy is right. Uh, reviews take way too long. Matt Norlander tweeted out that, like, the last two minutes of the game took 33 minutes in real time. That's just wow. insane. Like, it, it's so long. that. But the other thing that happens is you get a bunch of, like, free timeouts, right? So you're out of timeouts, but, like, you get to huddle. And, and, and I thought the rule should always be – so the rule should always be like, you don't get to huddle with your team in that situation. But like, what, what are they supposed to do? Just like mill around on the court. And the refs did a bad job with 0.8 left anyway, trying to remember who was on the floor. Because right, that was stub. like a mess. It was a joke. Like it was so bad. And so. But the Clippers, I think Patrick Beverly like called for a review. He wanted uh. to review. He wanted to review off. First of all, Patrick Beverly wanted to review on every single play down the stretch. Like the, 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 the Devin Booker play getting overturned to being off Devin Booker when he was dribbling it close to their bench and Beverly stripped him. And then like the ball, like maybe for a fraction of a second longer hit Devin Booker's hand. Like, I just don't think that's in the nature of reviews. Like I, I, I'm, I I guess they got the call right. And that's great. But I thought the Clippers did a great job with eight seconds left. I thought Batum threw like kind of a token double at Devin Booker. He panicked. They gave it to Jay Crowder who threw it to Mikel Bridges. Who's just not quite ready to take and make that shot yet. And he rushed it. He maybe got fouled, but then like, I just don't understand. There's there's less than a second left. There is no real play at that point. And Jay Crowder's in like one of the worst spots on the floor to throw a pass at the rim. And like he just throws a perfect pass and and Booker a great screen for Aiton who who gets up above Zubach. It's just like if you're the Clippers, it just can't happen. You know, and I, I know how easy it is for me to sit here and tell you that, Zan, like, ah, oh, it can't happen. But like 
you have to be cognizant of like the two places they can throw the ball. Like you just can't let them throw the ball near the hoop. I see, you know, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I was like struck this last week when we're off of like how quick after a game, the media and you're included in that now that I realize that you're on the dark side. Um, immediately a game happens and the story is let's talk about the failure of the losing. Team. No, no. Honestly, Jay Crowder's pass was amazing. Like I was from, from where he was on the floor to throw a pass right. that perfect where Aiden, like Aiden literally couldn't screw it up. Zan. He just had to like have his hand above the rim and the ball was going to hit his hand and go in. Like that pass was phenomenal. Amazing play call, by the way, amazing draw by. Right. But I think, I think Monty it's notable Williams. like Milwaukee did, we'll come back to this in a second, but like Milwaukee lost game five. Remember um, Durant had a huge game. And afterwards the TNT guys, Charles Barkley in an amusing way, as always was like, like talking about Milwaukee, like, you know, I wouldn't even feed those guys on the planes, the biggest failure. You he, know? Hate, he hates Milwaukee. And they were talking uh, about that in the first half that they left a bunch of points on the board. Like, but yeah. it's funny that after this Clippers, like, so Crowder throws an amazing pass. You know, Honestly, the, amazing the, the, taking the, advantage of that rule that most the, a lot of people don't know, and then a lot of people right after were like, "Zubac got too far out." That was no. The, you know, it's like let's just like acknowledge just, like some great plays. You recovered shot fine. Maybe. Devin Booker, great screen, probably an illegal screen, but like the refs are never calling that in that situation. But he just like laid out Zubac like for for as much as he could, and then Batum, with a broken nose, possibly broken nose. But Batum is is probably supposed to just switch that like I, I don't even know if probably is correct like he's i mean i would say if if i was Ty Lu making a lot of money and we watched this on film and i don't know that i i don't know that i would i would just be like hey we're gonna switch guard to big screens if you're nick Batu. like because because with with under a second left just to go like strategic we, we don't talk strategy a ton on here but like with under a second left like what's the worst that could happen with zubac he, he's not going to get put in a blender, right? It's going to be a straight catch right. and shoot. If if Booker catches it and slips, Zubac is going to be there to at least contest. And if Booker makes a shot with under a second left, like sometimes you got to tip your cap. But like Batum, I, I just don't know. I don't know what he was doing. And then Pat Beverly, he's too high because you don't want the ball to get thrown behind you anyway. But he probably needs to be down there to try to bump Aiden off so Aiden doesn't just have a free like release to the rim. And I, again, I, I just... It was kind of contested, though. That's why I like it was. Really, it was, you know, it was. Um, Zubac got himself in a pretty good spot. He just got a tiny bit under the hoop where he couldn't get his. I mean, right. it, it is what it is, and that's what happens. Right, in but like most situation. of the times, I see that like alley oop try from the, out of the bounds, like it doesn't work. No, because the um, pass is not. I don't. I don't know. I don't even know that Jay. I didn't know Jay Crowder had that like in his bag of tricks. Because normally, was, I, I, Chris Paul would probably be the inbounder there, but you want a bigger guy because. You don't Andre Miller. Remember Andre Miller used to be good. At he that. was really good at that. But like in this situation with under a second left, you just don't want the ball to get tipped. Right. So, so that's like the big, well, I, and so they, you know, took advantage of this rule that you can't have offensive goal depending on those plays. And it's something that came up with the Suns a few years. Was it the Suns and Tyson Chandler? Yeah. Um, uh, Suns Mavericks. Maybe. Suns. I, yeah, I think it was Suns. the Suns, the old Tyson Chandler. And, uh, and even Rondo afterwards, a lot of the Clippers, like Rondo, who's such a basketball genius, allegedly, like we're taught thinking was goaltending. Almost everybody said that. And Mark right. Jackson was crowing from his seat that that's not possible. And I was like, God, I hate this. <laughs> but so do you much. think teams should use that more? Is it or is the pass just so hard? Like, yeah. could you get like, who's, you're, the, you're just, who's like no the margin for error here? Right. Like, but like who's the, like the biggest bounciest guy? That's a good question. I don't, like I don't, if Taco Fall could jump at all, it wouldn't, yeah, like, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be him. It'd be, it'd be like it, it'd be like Rudy Gobert. 
right? Like it'd be rude. Well, who's like who could jump even higher? I mean, like you know, whoever it is, like it'll be like Kai it? Jones from Texas. When he yeah, there you go. Like, like I, could I, you just, do that consistently? I, you know, it's a good question. And then I, I kind of want to move off the Clippers and Suns because we have a lot of other stuff to talk about. But like it, I, I think the margin for error is so low on the offensive side of the ball in that play. Like so many different things have to go right. Like if you and I just sat and like broke the play down for like two, three, four minutes with film, like it's just, there's so many different pieces and all. And so like, if Booker doesn't get enough of Zubach, if like, you know, Jay Crowder throws it an inch too high or like an inch too low and it hits the rim or it hits Zubach because Zubach's hand was above the rim. Right. So I think the margin for error is, is so low for the offense there. I just don't think it's like, you just have to run it in that situation. And every coach has like one or two of those kind of lob plays for, you know, late shot clock, late clock from it's just a, that, that play in particular, Zan, like from where Jay Crowder had to throw the pass. It's, it's just like, I guarantee you, if you gave him the ball back and you, you told him to do it 10 more times, he probably hit the side of the backboard a few times. Yeah. It looked like that on some of the replays. Like it was very close to like grazing the back. You know, it's just, it's just that like, I, I just think like you said, it, more so than me being like critical of the Clippers. And again, I, I am a little bit critical of how they handled it. Like we probably should just tip our hats to the Suns for that. Yeah. I mean, the Paul George missing five free throws and like, and, and he played great, honestly, in the fourth quarter, like he made some really big shots. Like he was really good defensively, but like you just, you got to find a way to, to push the ball over the goal line in that situation. If you're the Clippers and steal one on the road, because like it's, it's Chris Paul's going to come back in game three. And I, I would imagine he'll be a little bit diminished because he hasn't really been doing a whole lot. He hasn't played, obviously he won't be James Harden level, like tubby, but he'll probably be a, a little bit out of shape, but if you're the Clippers, without Kawhi, it's it's hard to feel really confident. But you know they 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 did beat the Jazz. They they won two straight against the Jazz without Kawhi. One Terrence Mann incredible performance, and then you know they were really in both of these games with the Suns. So I wouldn't say that the series is over, but I, I would feel I would I would much rather be a Suns fan than a Clippers fan right now. But I I don't think sure. there's any, no no, I was need, no need this. to panic. No, but I think I think that's the game they probably needed to win just because I, yeah, I mean, I like, especially it. if Chris Ball's coming back and credit to the Suns, like they're the Suns so are well. really good. They're really good. And it's weird. It's a cognitive disconnect because like or dissonance or whatever it is, because they didn't make the playoffs last year. But and now we're talking about them as a top three they're gonna, team. They're going to I mean, in my opinion, like like if we're looking at it right now, they once they won what eight straight games in the playoffs. Yeah. It was it was two two against the Lakers. They caught a break against the Lakers. No, they were they, they were down two it one. Was down two so, one. Yeah. So yeah. they won three nine straight seven. Games. Yeah. So nine, so, I think, in a row. So at a certain point here, like, and, and and there's all these like Lakers idiots out there, like Lakers stands out in your world that are like, oh, they, you know, they would have they would have lost to the Lakers if the Lakers were healthy. And it's like, look, the Lakers weren't healthy. Like, you can only play who you play. You know, right. and the I, Lakers weren't healthy all year, right? And and I, and I think they probably would have lost to a full str- if it was like week three of the season right. and LeBron and AD were at full strength and not tired. Yeah, I think the Suns would have lost. But what well, you know what I really like about um the Suns as an organization right now, which is so weird to think because they're so <laughs> they're the dysfunctional. Worst. They're such a bad organization. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Cameron Payne steps in and plays really well. And that's a guy who was like written off for days out of the league. He was like in the G League on his own dime, making yeah. a legitimate G League salary. And what I really like about that is like organizations that are like, look, they're not prideful. Maybe it's Monte Williams. Maybe it's James Jones, whatever it is. 
of being like, look, we're not it's like the sunk cost fallacy. Like they actually had, remember they, they had a couple of young guards that they had drafted and like, his name like Jalen Lalock or whatever it is. And they Jaylen, had like a Jalen LeCue. And then they yeah. gave away, they, they got rid of DeAnthony Melton, which. Or like, you know, Kelly Oubre, they traded for Kelly Oubre and then theoretically we we're going to invest in him. And they're like, maybe he doesn't fit. He's just not good. Let's yeah. adjust, you know, to what's working or not and not get stubborn digging our heels in. Like, this is our guy. No, they, and, they've rebuilt this team quite a bit, right? Like, Aaron yeah. Baines, like it's it's, it's and, and like look, DeAndre Ayton's not um Luka Doncic, but like he's good. I mean, he's this really has been a really good. good playoff series for your number one pick. He's arguably been their second and third, second or third best player. I mean, did the, yeah. the, for me, and like he, and he's you know, for a guy who was criticized so much for his defense in college, you know, he's not having the problem that Rudy Gobert has. You know, he just he's, doesn't he can hang pretty much it, with anybody. It hasn't seemed to matter yet. If they were to reach the finals and play the Hawks, it, it might matter. It, it, but it hasn't. Like, he's not playing teams that are like, but oh, he's, we're going to put you in the blender. And good, and it it would have been right. a problem. If, if they had played full strength Utah, it would have been a problem because, like, they put you in pick and roll a lot and they have shooters everywhere and you have to make choices. But Aiden, they haven't played a team like that. Like, the Lakers don't do that. Denver doesn't do that, especially not without Jamal Murray. And now the, the Clippers aren't really a pick and roll type of team. They don't really have a primary ball handler to do that. So I do think this is this is not taking anything away from the Suns. I do think the Suns have gotten a very favorable, favorable draw for what their specific sure. weaknesses are. And I don't actually know that there's a team left. Like I don't know that the Bucks are a team that can really exploit that either. Well, without, I, think, I mean I think like Aiden is like the perfect, not perfect, but a good combination of like fluid enough on defense that they really can't take too much advantage of him. And also he offensively, he has enough skill and touch to like take advantage of mismatches. Like you can't guard him with like a six, six guy. No. And he's at his activity level. He was always kind of tried it as a younger player for his motor, not appearing to run super hot, but he's like a very active guy. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't like yell and scream and do all that stuff, but he's like, he's pretty bouncy. Like you said, he's pretty fluid. Like he's active. He gets his hands on balls. Like he's, and hopefully he stays a, in the way that he's a good like, player. Well, and also, you know, his current role is like, look, you, you're going to get a lot of like cleanup buckets and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, he's okay with that. He's, he doesn't, he's yeah. not Joel Embiid where like, or like Dwight Howard in Orlando demanding a bunch of post ups, you yeah, know, he, like we just see him go like he's 10 really for efficient right now in this role of like scoring 15, 16 points a do game. Do you remember, do you remember a few years back? This is a couple of years now, but like when Missouri had like the, the like Kim English, Marcus Denman, Line, like where they had all the guards, but then they had the guy Ricardo Ratliff who just shot like 90% from the field. And all he did was dunk and get layups and offensive rebounds. That's like sort of what DeAndre yeah, has been doing. He, his his shooting percentage in the playoffs is like through the freaking 73%. Roof. Right that's, that's, that's a lot for a I guy. Mean, perfect. That, yeah. Like it's a lot. I mean, like what can you ask more of this guy Um, for, you know, he's 22. He looks 42, but he does look very old. Um, so good for them. Aren't I you blowing you. the Aren't you blowing the lid off that that DeAndre Aiden's actually? 35? I'm sure he. I'm sure he's a couple of years older. But I <laughs> they think, used to bring his birth certificate to AAU games. Oh really? But whatever his birth certificate. Like. Well, it didn't, the beard throws you. Anytime anyone has a beard, they look like five years older than they are. No question. Uh, so, but I agree with you. I think Phoenix is uh, probably the favorite um, over Milwaukee at this point. You're I, saying I you're saying Phoenix. Well, you'd have to give Phoenix the best betting odds to win the title, just because the Hawks too. and the yeah the Hawks and the Bucks haven't played a game yet. So, well, I want to ask you this about the Clippers series. I think it's a, a tall task for the Clippers to come back and win. But what Agreed. do you think is more likely? 
mass the maestro Tai Lu make some adjustments and makes it competitive, maybe a four two series that the Suns win, or do you think it's sort of the Clippers are going to be deflated after losing a close game and they get swept? I don't think they're going to get swept. Um, it's an interesting question, in all honesty. So if I, your I only choices, like, your only choices are four two or four zero. <laughs> I'd say four two is more likely. The one thing about the Clippers, and we've talked about this before, but their, their roster is assembled in, in such a way that like they do not have guys that are going to just roll over and, and lose. Like maybe Paul George wants to do that. He's actually been quite good in the playoffs, and and again, like the, the free throw struggles notwithstanding, like he is probably the guy that I think people would look at and be like, he's the mental, the most mentally weak on their team. The rest of the team is like, not like that. Right. Like those guys go at you. And I I think they're going to be ready in game three. I I, I actually think, think I think that's a good good. point. And I think that's part of the reason, right. I think that's part of the reason they're playing Pat Beverly is like, just a little bit of swagger. He's and so cousin, same thing. I like, have to be honest with you. This is the group of teams. Like, I, I, I want to just put my rooting interest out there. Like, if I could just pick one of these four teams yeah. to win, I would like the Bucks to win the title because I, I like Giannis. But like, Patrick Beverly is one of the most ridiculous players to watch. Like, his mouth never stops running. He's always complaining. He's always like wildly gesturing about something. Like I said, he asked for 500 reviews in the last two minutes of the game yesterday. Like he is absolutely like the definition of an irritant. Like I can see why Russell. I like. I so do like I. Him. I like it. It's okay. It's, yeah, it's especially fine. when you, especially when you're the underdog and it's not like you're bullying somebody. It's like you're you're scrappy it's, and you he, need that he, sort of he, spark. I, I fully believe that like he could not be an NBA player if he was not like that. Like he, you have to have that in you. But I, I actually, I would say like I still think there's some value on betting the Clippers to win the series, just because like I don't expect them to be able to do it without Kawhi down two zero. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see it, it without because it's even hard for, without Chris Paul, even if he's out for it, another game or two. There is optimism that he will play in game two, but it, and it, it's it may be a blessing in disguise because he had been a little hurt, and then you get yeah. an extra rest. He'll be ready for the finals if if, if and when they do make it. And uh, it's a shame. The, the one of like the takeaways of the playoffs has been like, you know, obviously like, oh man, too bad with these injuries, huh? Um, but like the Clippers, I mean, if they come back next year, I think they'll be. You know, they're clearly a title worthy team. They're really good. They're really good. The way their I, team I, this, is built. Yeah, is, and they're such good shooting. Look, can I give you the stat I just saw in a basketball reference? They're top thirteen guys in terms of minutes played per game. Okay, not total minutes, but minutes played per game. Only one of them shoots under. 80% from the line and that Zubach who suits 79%. He's a good, uh, he's a good free throw shooter. Yeah. yeah. But like, they're just really good at shooting threes. They're really good at shooting free throws. Kawhi is obviously good in the mid range and, and they have like the medium ball that we talk about. Yeah, like they, I think they're the going to Mar- be really good next year. If Kawhi is healthy. I think the Marcus Morris injury is kind of a downer. And like, you know, guys playing through stuff at this point in, in the season, most guys are nicked up a little bit. Right. I, I don't buy into This isn't hockey where like everybody seems hurt, but like, Marcus Morris's knee injury has definitely been uh, something that's that's really hurt them because they they need him to make shots. He has to make open threes, and for him to be shooting fourteen percent from three through two games is, is really yeah. it's it's hard for the Clippers without Kawhi to outplay that level of production from Marcus Morris, who's that important to them. And again, he does some other things that are really good, but you know that you're not going to get 40 from Terrence Mann another right. time this year. I, so there's like, something, if you asked me that question that I asked you, like, I think it's more likely they get swept just 
in the sense I feel oh like God. there's only so much you can take emotionally before it's just like a letdown or it's like, and okay, played, let's just give up now. And they've played so many tough, like emotional games too. Like you said, I, I do think the one thing I, I want to throw this out here real quick, because we're going to talk about the lottery. Uh, and so Terrence Mann might come up later, but I do think the way the Clippers have drafted recently has been pretty smart because like they do know what their team is like, but they have all these kind of like random understudy guys and drafting a guy like Terrence Mann, who you know is going to defend and who you or like, who you know is going to like be okay playing any number of minutes, like, cause that's what he did in college. I wonder if like later in the draft, maybe our thinking, cause you and I both kind of believe like, Hey, swing for the fences in the first round. Maybe that's not the smartest thing. Like maybe drafting a guy like Terrence Mann from a good college program where you know he's an NBA ready defender because of playing at Florida State is better if you're a good team. And just like if you if you wash out on like an older prospect, it's fine. But like if you get some level of production from Terrence Mann over the course of his rookie deal, he's probably going to be a rotation piece. And then all of a sudden we watch. I mean, he was the reason they won the series against the Jazz. Like, well, you know, I do that like 99 cent column or whatever. About undervalued guys. I've never, and, I've actually never heard of it. Have you ever touted it on here before? <laughs> I mean, a few, a few gems on there, not to, not to boast, but um, <laughs> your ninety-nine cent column works like the stock market, though. Like you pitch it for ninety-nine cents, and then the the demand goes so high, Seth Curry gets eight million dollars a year. That's true. It's like Bitcoin, and I'm yeah, like, that's what um, it is. Elon Musk. Uh, uh, but almost a common thread. I would say eighty percent of those guys who turn out to be hidden gems are guys who were overlooked or underrated because they stayed too long in college. Exactly. Cause they're older. That's yeah. That's exactly and, right. And the theory is that they want to improve. And we've seen that not be true. I mean, like yep. a lot of times if you're good in college for three or four years, like chances are, you're going to be a pretty good, good. player. Yeah. You know? and, it, and, it, and it's weird. Cause like we've started to see more of that where guys are now getting more of a chance because like they're a little bit red, more ready. They're more mature. And, you know, I think, you know, players don't like improve or decline at like a linear rate. Right. So like, just because somebody was a top five prospect in high school, that might be as good as they are right then. And they never reach their ceiling. And you is have that, to be, is that a Ben Simmons shot? Is that what you're trying to get at? He's still really good. We should, Okay. Let's, let's, let's go to the East. Let's go to the okay. East. All right. So I don't even know where to begin. Atlanta, well, we could talk about, let's maybe post mortem on Brooklyn really quickly. Cause I think the same thing yeah. about the Clippers, if I'm writing the Clippers off, Socks for Brooklyn, they got hurt because yeah, if they were healthy, if they come back, they next were the best year, team. They were the best team in the league. Like, yeah. yeah. And they could be, especially because Blake Griffin experiment like he worked was really good. You know, if they come back with Blake Griffin and those three guys healthy and they keep Joe Harris, like, I think this is a team that could win 70 I, games. I just want to, I just want to throw this out here. I, I feel like our entire basketball watching careers we've been waiting for like this version of Kevin Durant that we saw in games five six and seven because like he's always been on good teams and don't get me wrong he was sharing a court with James Harden and Blake Griffin who are you know Harden certainly a Hall of Famer Blake Griffin very very good player Hall of very good if you will but like Harden was very clearly diminished and out of shape like he he could not shoot like to save his life like he he really couldn't get downhill at all He, he definitely would not have played if it was like the regular season and I I'm guessing he 100% would not have played if Kyrie Irving wasn't hurt. But, right. you know, he, he gave valuable minutes to a team that, that needed them. But to watch Durant just, like, be the best player on the floor and, like, pick a group of, like, I, I don't want to say, like, cast-offs because they're not, but, like, just pick a group of no, it was not was very good. No, it was a shabby roster for sure. It, it, I mean, it was fantastic to watch. And honestly, knowing that we have that guy coming, like, after his Achilles injury, like, 
makes me so excited for next season because like that level of performance from Kevin Durant in, in, you know, games five and game seven, where he like, I mean, like Zan, you're exactly right. Like I said, Jokic was the best player in the world because of his regular season, but like there is nobody else in the playoffs that's giving us those two performances while not sitting one minute, like at this point in their career, like not Kawhi, not LeBron, not Giannis, not Steph, not Dame. There's nobody else in the NBA that can do that. And it was, it was honestly like game five was like a freaking basketball, like coronation for people. I think watching. And yeah. Like, and it sucks. It's like shit. that. It's like that Julio Jones catch in the Super Bowl. Like maybe people will forget nope. because they didn't win. But even, I mean, he got 48 in game seven. <laughs> like what else? Was right. he, he hits the amazing shot at the end of regulation. And like I, I, I agree I with know. you. And I think it's, you know, unpopular take. I think you kind of agree with me. Like, I think Kevin Durant's been the best player in the league for, for, a, while. for a few years now. That's what I've always thought. It's just that yeah. he's not he's not been healthy and he's played on other teams. And like, you know, I've always thought I've always said that like Harden and now Giannis the last couple of years, like their regular season production should not just get written off because they play every night and because they don't get hurt and their teams are always good. Like, but the problem is when we watch guys take and 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 I do want to say this, like Giannis was spectacular in game seven. Like he he made free throws right. at a better rate. Like he, I mean, it, the teams were so gassed and like, he just gave everything he had. I, I was really, well, it, is, it is amazing. And it's, you know, as a Kevin Durant fan and apologist to think Milwaukee has a very good chance to win the title. And I think they would be a worthy champion. They've been very good. Definitely. For They've been good for a while. Like, but Kevin Durant playing with, as you mentioned, like a very mediocre supporting cast. Joe, Harris, Joe Harris couldn't make a shot to save his life. He had a, a ton of open looks in games six and seven. He just couldn't convert. It's well, you know, I, I, This is a bold claim, talking about Kevin Durant being a, the best player is probably not anymore. I, I was complaining to you, texting you. I thought Nash was playing him way too much, and he would tire out. But He did get tired. Don't, don't kid yourself. Yeah, like yeah, Everybody but, was tired. <laughs> He hit an amazing game shot five shot, the you know fade away almost a three to go to overtime. That shot in game seven was ridiculous. If if he would if that would have been a three, like he, an inch away, how legendary would Kevin Durant be? I think people would start talking about him as a top five player of all time. I don't even know. And honestly, I thought for the I thought for the NBA, it was probably better for the Bucks to win. Obviously, they want Kevin Durant, but I just mean like I just don't know that the nets had like anything in the tank like for for two more series right i'm not saying that they couldn't have beaten the hawks or you know at that point we weren't sure who it was going to be i expected it to be the sixers but you know i just don't think that like harden wasn't harden right. looked like he was getting a little bit healthier but Kyrie was definitely a long way away from playing and like we, we were texting about it too it's like at this point with these rosters milwaukee's a better team and it's yeah. just like, is Durant going to hit 70% of his shots? But, in but your logic is like, I, I've always heard this, and Nash maybe pushed it a little bit for sure. But like, I, the logic is always kind of like in a series, you, you play your rotations like games one to four, one to five. And then in games six and seven, you just ride your studs. Because like, if you don't do it, you sit there and you look at the box score like Doc Rivers and you're like, oh man, how did Dwight Howard end up with this many minutes in a game seven? I, right? See, I, I really thought they overplayed all the guys. I, I, I mean, but I, everybody, but, but Zan, everybody did that. Like, yeah, but there's a difference between playing 44 minutes and 48 minutes. I, but I think where's it's your just gripe on Chris Middleton? Like, you're not, you're not complaining about Bud. Like, we, we, I'm not saying that it's not asking too much, but my, my question is always to people who say this, like, this is a very common complaint of me in baseball too. It's like when people are like, Oh, you're closers for the ninth inning. And it's like, well, what if the biggest spot in the game comes up before that and you don't go to him and you never get a chance. Like right. if, if you pull Durant with like, let's just say you pull Durant with like three minutes to go in the third quarter and the bucks going an eight Oh run. Well, like 
he may never get a chance to take, to make that shot. You never get a chance to take it to OT. And it's like, I, I yeah, it's sort of like, I'm not saying right. he couldn't have managed more. Optimally. Well, you know I'm what sure the, the argument is, is trying to keep him fresh for possible overtime is like, you but know, wait, if you don't pull, get to overtime, then like right. you're, it's, or it's like, it's like pulling a guy for early foul trouble. Like you're shooting yourself in the foot and trying yeah, to prevent something that you, you're you causing two, yourself right now. You pull him with two fouls and he finishes the game with four and you're like, well, that was dumb. Yeah. But, but I anyway. do think, I do think he was going to get tired I, in game five. I thought the same thing. He like, was, he's going to fade down the stretch. He, he got through it in game five. And but he to did. Do it and again he did. And again. Honestly, he did in game seven in the fourth quarter of game seven. He was like amazing. Like, again, it's just, I want to call out two guys real quick before we switch over because we should talk about the Sixers and Hawks and Ben Simmons, I guess. But watching Bruce Brown and PJ Tucker in the same game was like one of the most fun things for me because, like, I really think like that's who Bruce Brown is in his career. It's like if he should decide to play like one guy to try to have a ten to fifteen year career, like he already does a little bit more with the ball in his hands on offense, but defensively, like they. They're both like tipping offensive rebounds. They're battling right. bigger players. They're like screaming in guys' face. It's like I, I, I said, if I was better at the internet, we would do the, the Spider-Man pointing meme, but like one of the Spider-Mans would have a gray beard and it would be PJ Tucker and the other guy would be Bruce Brown. Cause it's like, I, I literally thought we were watching like PJ Tucker from 10 years ago in that game. I'm, I, feel, I have such mixed thoughts on Bruce Brown. If, if not that anyone cares, but I it's mean, like- you shouldn't, you don't want to play, as much as I like Bruce Brown, you don't want to play Bruce Brown 51 minutes in a, in a game. Well, th- there's a little bit, not that he's as good, obviously, but like Draymond in the sense that like, if you have a super team and you need a fifth guy, he's good. Awesome. Yeah. If, if he needs to be your third guy, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, I would expect somebody to overpay him and I'm good and good for him. Like take your money, you know, like I'm not saying that at all, but it just, for me, I think the biggest failing of the Nets roster this year was that like, they had no plan if like Joe Harris couldn't get shots and, and like Jeff Green, who goes nuts and gets I, see, five, I don't even know if there's a shots. flaw. It, it I isn't. Think it's it, just how, yeah, it's how you build it, your roster. Well, and also like, it's like you need a ball handler, playmaker, and, and Dinwiddie goes down and Kyrie goes down and Harden and goes down. Harden it's just like, down. like I, I think how are you supposed to have a capable fourth point guard? And, and I think Mike James think, could have been, but don't you? Well, the problem is they put Mike James in the game and he just got flamed every position. Like Harden, for, for all of his like our complaints about him, they didn't really attack him off the bounce as much as I thought they should have. But he does a passable, like, because of his size right. and, like, his intelligence, he does a passable job of guarding guys and understanding that you can just make guys have to make threes. Now, Pat Connington burned him a couple times. He got burned a couple times in transition by not just being asleep. But, like, Harden does a passable job, and Mike James does not. And it's it's just – it, it is was, And it is. so that, like, savvy. It's like, Injured James Harden reminded me of, like, very old Jason Kidd. Oh, yeah, like, that's, that's good. Like their strength and their savvy up, and guile, and just he was like, a spot up three point shooter. Yeah. He walked the ball up the court. I, I just and he I, could guard bigger guys just because he's strong and because he's strong. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about before we kind of break down the, the finals. Uh, Hawks and Sixers. Uh, I'm very surprised by this. Yeah, I. You know, it's funny. The Sixers were very clearly the better team. Uh, John Hollinger made a joke in his athletic column that like the Sixers should have won the series six to one. I've had friends say it should have been five to two. I don't remember if we recorded before game five or not when the Sixers blew like a 26 point lead and like Embiid was awful after an amazing first half. But then the Sixers come back, win in Atlanta, and I was pretty confident the Sixers were going to win game seven. I, I didn't think it'd be easy, but like Bogdanovich was injured. And, you know, all the credit in the world to Nate McMillan because he just found a way like, hey, we're going to play. Gallinari, he's our best offensive, like we need him in our offensive lineup, and we're just going to have him sag in the paint off 
Ben Simmons and they're not going to be able to beat us because the Sixers still haven't figured out a way to play Simmons and Embiid when the game slows down. And, you know, it's a shame, I think, but Atlanta was, in my opinion, Atlanta deserved to win game seven. And I thought Atlanta deserved to win the series. Like I thought they were a very deserving winner of the series. I thought they played harder than the Sixers. And and I really think that, that some of the Sixers issues, especially with the way like Embiid commands attention, both on and off the court, I think there's going to be some very tough decisions for the Sixers in the off season. And it's not just as simple as like every fan just thinks like you can just swap Ben Simmons for anybody and it's fine and people will do it. And I just don't think it's that simple, Zan. I would would say it's 50, 50. He's on the team next year. Everyone else seems to think it's like zero 100 that he, you know, hundred percent gets traded. I think it's, I'm like shocked at like how much like hate, immediately like an avalanche of blame went his way but and obviously he's had 17 turnovers in the last two games but we talked about the clippers needing to win close games there were three games in this series decided by less than five the hawks won all of them right yeah three and oh yeah it's pretty that's 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 like relatively lucky i would imagine but yeah i mean like point differential suggests that the sixers were better the sixers Sixers had a they won the series on aggregate did they not they they, they asked for the hawks for like 30 or something yeah yeah Yeah. they did um but hey credit to trey young you know um he didn't even shoot well you know he was really he was just not good in game five kevin that, that but that's the problem right so danny green gets hurt you have to play seth curry because like you need another seth curry was their second best offensive player like tobias harris again like very fortunate that Ben Simmons exists because like Tobias was not very good. And then like, you can't play Seth Curry because he's getting flamed by Kevin Herter every single possession. And, and it's like Trey young. We always mention his percentages, like 32% from the series on from three, 39% from the field, but he's still very effective scored 29 points, 11. He's great passer, phenomenal lob passer. You know, the Sixers, I'll do this in a minute. Okay. Time me because I don't, I don't want to like rant about Embiid, but you have to give the ball to Embiid on offense. He refuses to roll when he gets tired. He refuses to change up his drop coverage when he gets retired. When he gets tired, it was like every single time Trey Young was like, "All right, if Embiid's in the game and like we need a bucket, they were able to to, to run some sort of pick and roll. He drops way too far back, and then like they just throw lobs to Capella. It's like it was it was crazy. Like John Collins dunked all over him, and then wore the shirt in the press conference. And I just think that like there's a lot of hate for Ben Simmons, and he deserves a lot of it. But like if we're not going to like blame Embiid, like Derek Bodner of the athletic wrote an article about how the organization has failed Embiid. Like, no, that's not true. Embiid has to be able to make some changes or they're never going to be a championship contender because I don't know that you can ever build a, a really truly efficient offense around him. Even if you put the perfect pieces. Wow. Well, I, I think that's an interesting angle to take because I famously, I mentioned like my, my worst takes. I thought Embiid would be injury prone. I would have traded him very early in his career. Um, I think as recently as last year, you know, you're a big Ben Simmons fan. I was as well. We thought if you had to pick one of the two, it's easier to build around Ben Simmons. Yeah. At this point, you can't say that you want to build around Ben Simmons. I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as far fetched to think that like, it still is a worthwhile question, but the Sixers are not trading. Right. I mean, at this point, like the ship has sailed on that. And, um, I think that Ben Simmons criticism is, is fair in terms of like upside, but Obviously, I agree with you. Like he's still like a good player. He, he's the best third perimeter. all NBA last year. He's the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Like he's he's probably the best transition player in the NBA. But like the Sixers don't give him any transition opportunities in the playoffs because like you can't run when Embiid's in the game. And so like Doc Rivers, in my opinion, failed the Sixers in this series, which is big surprise, right? That just like seems to be what he does in the playoffs. That's his specialty as a doctor. I, I just. I don't understand why like Doc 
is so attached to like playing specific guys. Like, and I don't know, like Dwight Howard's fine. Like his role was fine, but like the Lakers were able to kind of like vary like vary his minutes last year when they needed him and when they don't, they didn't need him in this series. Like you can play Simmons as like a small ball five and like let him get out and run a little bit when Embiid's not in the game and change up the look and like pressure the Hawks second unit. And he never did that. Like you can't play Simmons. You can't play like Simmons, Tobias, like Dwight, Furkan Korkmaz, and then like, I don't even know, George Hill, who doesn't want to shoot the ball. Like that lineup is garbage. And like, I think still- it's so interesting to the, the Daryl Morey question. Cause it's like, the fans are calling for Ben Simmons head at this point. Like everyone's turned on him. Um, that is true. He is maybe, maybe it's like a reactionary, like that'll calm down in like a month. I don't think so. <laughs> but I mean, like this is the hard part for, for Maury. Like, let's just say the trade is McCollum for Simmons, for example, like the fit is better, obviously. And let's, I think their chances would be slightly better. But for all the reasons you're mentioning about Embiid, like I don't think McCollum and Embiid is a guaranteed title, especially in the you know the East when you have Brooklyn, and your odds are probably go from let's say twelve percent chance of winning the title to fifteen percent chance of winning the title. That still means there's an eighty five percent chance you're you going to lose at some title. point, yeah. and, and you're going to get blamed for whatever move you made to get there. And that and so that's do where you take a risk or not? He's going to take a risk. I, I, I guess like, here, here's what I'd say. I, I think that Maury is smart enough to realize that like your return for Ben Simmons in a vacuum is not going to be as good as Ben Simmons. It's not possible. He's 24 years old. He signed to a reasonable contract for his skills. Unless it was James Harden. Yeah. I mean, that one, that, that ship has sailed. The, the Nets are certainly not trading James Harden for, uh, honestly, like Kyrie for Ben Simmons is, is kind of interesting. I don't, I don't, it's not happening, but it's like they, kind of interesting. Some people have referenced it and some people yeah. have said that the Nets are not happy with Kyrie's attitude. I mean, everybody's not. Who, who's, a, tell Who me is the last happy? guy that's been happy. Tell me the last guy that was happy with Kyrie Irving's attitude. <laughs> Ky, Kyrie. Kyrie himself is probably not happy with his own attitude. But I think like my issue with the Sixers is that, and, and Ben Simmons in, in total is that like, I agree that there's been some parts where Ben Simmons like very clearly needs to become a more capable shooter. And if, and whatever's going on, like if it's not going to happen in Philly, then you do have to ship him out. Right. Like if, if what you're doing with him is not working and he's just not paying attention anymore, like, or he doesn't want to do this, like it's not going to work, but you're not going to get back a 24 year old max contract guy who is the best perimeter defender in the league. And also like they need a primary ball handler. So like CJ McCollum's like 30 plus years old. His deal is a little, a little heavy for what his production is. He's not a guy that's like not injury prone, right? Like you don't know that he's going to stay healthy, but he's also not a primary ball handler. So like, where do they find that? Do you really want to play Tyrese Maxey next to CJ McCollum? I, I mean, maybe Embiid's good enough to, to like overcome those defenses. Well, and also you, you think back and, and you, th- you see like, this felt like the Sixers best chance there. The one seed, um, there's a lot of injuries in the league. It, you look yeah. back and then maybe wonder, hey, remember you had Jimmy Butler. Um, and all these guys, and Tobias Harris, and it would have been super expensive. The problem was Jimmy wasn't going to stay. Yeah, but like that was a very talented group of four, at least. Oh, I was. That that team, I mean, and and again, this is the thing, like I I joke about the process all the time and how stupid I think the process ultimately is, like just in terms of people that defend it at every turn, because like this really was the best chance, and like they still could not get to the conference finals. Against the Hawks, by the way, the fifth seed. Right, a team that's, Look, I, I don't care what anyone says. The Hawks won the series. The Hawks are not better than this current iteration of the Sixers. The Danny Green injury definitely caused some some 
bigger problems, I think, than Sixers fans thought at the time. Seth Curry was a really cagey pickup. Like, I, I would be optimistic about the Sixers moving forward. But the problem is you, you've got to figure out a way to tell Doc Rivers, like, hey, we have to figure out, like, eight or so minutes a game where Ben Simmons can impact the game playing the way that he needs to play. Because, like, just having your other, like, star be, like, hanging out on the perimeter where no one guards him and then, like, hanging out underneath it, it was the like, It was I, so I don't weird. know. I can't remember the last time. He looked like Kobe against Phoenix, like in the fourth it, it quarter. It was very. It was. It looked like a hot potato. Like the, he, just, he did not want to touch the ball. No, he was. A, he was definitely like afraid. He was definitely afraid to get fouled, and that's that's true. And, and like, the scary thing about like the hack a shack, hack a bend kind of thing, like people hacked Shaq because he was a you know bad free throw shooter, but also because he was unstoppable on offense. Yeah, Benson is like, not that. Like, right, the Sixers are like a above average offensive team. It's, it's you're probably letting the Sixers off the hook if you hack Ben Simmons because if he's going to shoot, let's just say like he makes sixty percent. Let's yeah. say he makes fifty five percent. He makes better than one point per shot. There's no way that their offense in the fourth quarter was better than one point per possession right. in this series. And and he career six around sixty percent. Um, he was like thirty percent. Right, he looked very shaken. But but the problem um, is like he's not really a pick and roll guy, although he could be. But like. If he's going to play with Embiid, Embiid just takes up too much space in spots that Ben Simmons wants to be in. So either you have to figure out the right way to blend the two together. It's a little bit like we talked about, if you recall, with like Luca and Porzingis earlier in the year that like, in theory, they should be perfect playing together. Like Porzingis can make shots, like he's he's fluid enough, he can catch alley-oops, whatever. But like he likes to be in the same spots on the floor that Luca is and obviously it's not going to work you're going to get shipped out of town because nobody's taking that real estate and it's the same thing in, in Philly and so I think Philly needs to be targeting they need to be trying to send Simmons to like a, a team that's bad like a team that's rebuilding that right. has some like interesting pieces like I, I'll tell you a piece I, I think I, I told you this Darius Garland Kevin Love deal that I mm-hmm. think makes some sense obviously Zach some Aminas, people mentioned Colin Sexton instead. I, I don't know about Sexton. I, I would rather have a better shooter and distributor rather than just a better pure scorer. I'm not sure that I, I think Sexton's better than Garland as a just a, a, you know if we ranked them, but I'd rather Garland's fit. I think. But you need a team that's willing to take Ben Simmons and be like, all right, we're going to build around right. Ben Simmons. And there aren't a lot of teams out there that like have the pieces to give back to the and, Sixers. Yeah, and the salary to give back. Like I that's why the Harden thing would have made a lot of sense if they wanted they to re identify. I mean, are we just gonna end up seeing like Simmons for Kemba Walker in like a I month? wonder if Daryl Morey says what you said, like it's like selling on a low. Um and I think you know the Sixers were the one seed. They had the higher point differential. Maybe you can tweak. And I, I think maybe the the recipe for them is what I thought before the season is like you're not gonna be an elite offensive team. Yeah. But you could be an elite defensive team. They were you know, second in the league. I, I don't know if you recall this, but in the end of game, at the end of game seven, they played that like Simmons, Matisse, Shake, Tobias, and Bead lineup, and like they were suffocating the Hawks. Right. And like, then they it, put Seth Curry in the game, and <laughs> I was texted in jest, uh, "Look, Doc is inserting a Smurf into the lineup." <laughs> I agree. And like if, they, if 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 Matisse Tybal. Amazing defender right now. He's he's too handsy, but he is a good defender. If he can be, he shot thirty five percent as a rookie, thirty percent from three this year. He was bad it, on offense to start yeah. the year. Yeah. If he could be a reliable Bruce Bowen type, you can play him. He's playing. And I think I think that that whole lineup would be fine. You know, Tobias Harris and him, yeah. and then you have one shooter, Danny Green or whomever. 
I think that's enough. Three shooters are enough. The, the issue is just the issue is just that you're you're never gonna get. It's just hard. Can you not shoot? Ben Simmons can't play. <laughs> ben Simmons cannot play. I believe I, I don't want to. Uh, can you give me the Ben Simmons nickname that you came up in the middle of the week? Because oh yeah, I did. it was. We quite, know what, was, I was so proud of it. That it was quite it could, good. It was quite good. Apparently, like people have compared him to Rondo. I didn't realize that he can't we, play that way because there's not enough space for him to play that way. But go on. Yeah, so he does feel like a bigger version of Rondo, right? Yep. Natural nickname, Mondo Rondo. I love it. I laughed very hard. Mondo Rondo is good. I'm going to make that the title of this episode. But you know what? Um, I posted that on Reddit. And didn't Blasted because everyone's like, you're underrating Rondo. Ben Simmons sucks. You can't play him. Rondo <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on a second. So the, the nickname was considered poor because Ben Simmons is worse than Rondo. Yeah, people thought Ben Simmons oh my God. was much worse than Rondo. So Ben Simmons' stock is like... It's ben, like totally tanked. So I'm trying to think of a good... Like Ben Simmons is like is like uh, AMC after like the meme stocks like all died out. Although AMC's worth a lot. Well, now. you know, it's funny and not to I, not to get like feed the trolls as they say, but like somebody's like, Rondo was so much more decorated at that age. And I like cited the stats. I'm like, actually, yeah, he's like, definitely very not. similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben Simmons is a little more decorated and stats are a little better right now. I, I just think and, he can play that way like Rondo, you know, yeah. like, but you can't but do but it if you, you have MB because of where MB, like so, so offenses have changed, right? So, before you had Kevin Garnett as like your your kind of like stretch big, but when Kendrick Perkins was in, like he was more of a post up guy, so he was deeper in the lane. Embiid is not like that. Like Embiid loves to be like kind of if you took the three point line and just put it around the foul line almost. Like that's kind of where Embiid likes to be if it's a half court offensive possession. And so like if Embiid's not going to screen and dive, which we know he's not going to do, and Embiid's not going to like space the floor or or get deep into the dunker spot so that Simmons has space around the shooters he's just never going to be able to be your primary ball handler because he can't take space like Rondo used to be able to like Rondo used to like have guys play way off him and he was just like all right whatever I'll use it to see where guys are take the space and then make plays Simmons can't do that because of where Embiid is and so yeah and he shoots I'm looking up Simmons for his career from you know, close range, zero to three feet, 74%, 71, 72, 79. He just doesn't get a lot of shots though. No, I mean, he's a good finisher. Like his uh, average, this is amazing. Average distance on his shot. Let me guess. Sorry, blew it for you. Four feet. I mean, everything is at the rim. Like he has no floater either. Like he definitely needs to bring in some sort of like awkward type. Like if he could get like that Emmanuel quickly, like below the foul line type floater where guys had to come see you a little bit you know, he could do it, but he, he also isn't like an amazing drop-off passer, which again, we never really is, need to see. Is it, it possible? So. Like if you were a team like Houston or Orlando or a team that really wants to just like find somebody to build around at this point, you are such a big Ben Simmons fan. Like, do you think you can build around a yes. young team can build around? Ben yes, I do. But he has to play in that like LeBron role and you have to be willing to just be bad and see if he can figure it out. So, all right, let's talk, let's talk Bucks Hawks for like two seconds. And we'll talk about the lottery. Uh, I think this is a, I've seen people say that the Hawks should actually be favorites. I, I don't believe that. I don't think, uh, I think the Bucks length is going to bother them. I think Brooke Lopez being away from the basket is a huge boon to the Bucks because like Capella needs to be at the rim to be effective as a rim protector. They have no matchup for Giannis. Drew can guard Trey Young the entire game by himself and hopefully can make a couple shots. This looks like Bucks and six to me. I, 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 I agree. I think they'll have an easy relatively the Hawks time. Are, the Hawks are really good on offense though but the problem is them not being able to play Gallinari in this series like 
it just doesn't, you know. Well, and just, also, the, I like the fact that for their sake, Drew Holiday is obviously big dude. He is a big Also dude. a very liked guy, it, and he has a great defensive reputation. Yeah. So if there's any sort of 50-50 calls, I don't think Trey Young is going to get them all. No, I, I don't know. And, and like Atlanta's not super likable. Like Trey Young is, is hard to, to pay attention to. John Collins is going to have to guard Giannis. Trey Young is so unlikable that he's currently on a run where the league is actively trying, trying to, to change the rules to yeah, even Harden. Even Harden didn't get this rule changed, and he was like the biggest offender of it. And now it's Although, like I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. LeBron tweeted, "Did you see this? That the league is conspiring to end his run." Um, no, I didn't. That's see a that. true tweet. Could we go an entire? Could we go? In, <laughs> I, I, I even I even had this take written down in my notes app, but like. Kevin Durant's little like three game stretch with the Nets made me realize that like there's a very good chance that like we have probably underappreciated LeBron and part of that has to do with like how LeBron acts. But yeah. like I I just I wanted to go one episode without talking about LeBron. No, let's go. With, let's it. go with that. But like I think I agree. Milwaukee I think should roll, and if they don't, I think the league is going to you know fast track that rule trying to stop trey young it sounds like it sounds like it's gonna happen it sounds like yeah and it should i I mean like it's just not fun to watch i'm sorry my thing my thing with the hawks is like i just don't know like kevin herter was awesome when seth curry was guarding him but i don't know what they do with like middleton and Giannis because like you they like gallinari could do like a passable defensive impression on tobias harris and middleton is a a substantial bit better than tobias harris so like i just don't know with in, in that specific lineup like, and I think Bobby Portis will play a little bit more. They're going to play Connington. Bryn Forbes can absolutely play in this series when he couldn't play against the Nets. So, like, I, yeah, I, in my I, head, I'm not I'm saying that thinking. the Hawks can't win. I'm not saying the Hawks can't win. They certainly can. They're, they're talented enough. I, Their I offense is really I, good. But I think this is a chance? tougher matchup. I think I think it's like a 10, 20% no, chance. No, no way. I think it's that low. No. 10%. That's like they win one in 10 times. There's no chance they win. They're too They're too good. And the Hawks are in the, in the Bucks. Have their playoff. Uh, that's demons. my bold prediction. I'll be Skip Bayless here, but I think it, the Hawks' miracle run is going to remind people of like Portland made the conference finals. Remember, oh my God, what a moment! And then I think they got swept, right? You're talking uh, about, you're talking about against, two years ago, yeah, against yeah. Golden State, and now everyone doesn't meant, forgets about it. That's fine. Um, that was that was the year that Dame had the like they had that seven game series against Denver. That was like amazing, right? Where right. Like, yeah. And then like there was, it's like the peak Dame Lillard. And then are we sure that we didn't, we didn't see peak Dame Lillard this year? I mean, I don't know, but I, no, no. I in terms okay. of re- reputation, right. but okay. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be Phoenix, Milwaukee. I don't know though. It's I, if you would have given me a hundred chances to guess this playoff bracket, yeah, we I, would wouldn't not have. Have I mean, it, but we do also, by the way, there, there is something to be said about these teams being the healthiest, like Phoenix is the healthiest team left. Right. Like they're going to get Chris Paul back, but like Milwaukee Dante DiVincenzo injury is a big deal, but like they still have, you know, he's a rotation piece for them. Like Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter's been out basically the whole year. So they've had to deal with it. Now Bogdanovich is going to be a weird, I think this is true. You might think Phoenix is a top three team, but I think this is going to be the first year in my history of my, my knowledge of basketball or watching basketball where I'm like the champion. I don't know if it's going to be a top three team. Milwaukee's probably a top three team at full strength. You don't think? I, I mean, I would Maybe say they're the fourth Brooklyn, best team. Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn's Brooklyn, clearly one. I Brooklyn think the Clippers and the two are two. L- and the two, and the two LA, LA teams. teams. Yeah, I think those are the top three teams. Hmm. I mean, Toronto wasn't a top three team, I don't think, when they won. but I think they were probably third. They were good. They were really good. Yeah. You were the one touting them all year. They were really good. All right, draft lottery. Let's let, you, can, you can get 10 minutes on the draft lottery to get your, <laughs> get your takes off. But Detroit... 
uh, wins the draft lottery, moves Why do you up. hate I, the draft lottery? Everyone loves it except for you. It's just boring. Like, there's just nothing about it that's exciting. You don't like Rachel Nichols? You, Rachel Nichols is the one person who can make Anthony Edwards boring. She did, like, an interview and, like, <laughs> lobbed him some boring questions that he had bad answers to. Um, terrible show. They, everyone thinks <laughs> Rachel Nichols is, like, the coolest person ever. And I think she's, like, good at her craft. Don't get me wrong. But I also think part of her craft is, like, understanding how to get promoted and so right. like, i just i don't know like they had her on all the smoke and it was like here rachel nichols say the f word a bunch and i was like she's just like not super interesting to me but I, it's there's some I, she's really smart and like competent but like she's I think very she, smart she's very smart there's some phoniness to me that i don't like all right um, so what's the actual draft order detroit okay, so houston, detroit, detroit houston yeah the big storyline is detroit jumps up to number one Yep. Almost certainly going to take Kate Cunningham, it seems like. I, I would be stunned if they didn't take Kate Cunningham. He's and only he going to work well, out for right? that. But he's, um, he fits everywhere. But yeah, they'll take Kate, I think. I mean, I can't imagine change. Houston keeps their pick, only slides to two, which I think is a win for them. Definitely a win for them. I would say it'll be between Jalen Green and uh, Evan Mobley. I, I don't think they would take Jalen Suggs, but I, 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 I think Mobley or Jalen Green. And Cleveland jumps up to three. Oh, yeah, That'll be interesting. And Toronto jumps up three spots to four. Like yeah, the big Toronto losers. one is like a big deal. The biggest loser is the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves lose their pick to Golden State. Um, I, I think, think Orlando. Seven, right? Yeah, it goes down to seven. And then Orlando um, snuck right in there to get that Bulls pick because it's at eight. Right? right. But they only had the fifth pick. And I think for a team that really needed like a superstar, and I think it's like a four-person draft to have five sucks. And I would definitely think that's true for Oklahoma City. Not only did they, yeah, they not get the, Houston's they pick. The sixth, they have the sixth pick, right? Right. They, was, they had an over 50% chance, I think, of getting Houston's pick. Didn't happen. Their own pick drops to six. Yeah, it's and that's going to be hard to get like a difference maker. Somebody's like going to get a franchise player. I think somebody's going to get Scotty Barnes and be pretty happy about it. I, 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 he's I'll getting go, a lot of, as I'll you say, over. helium. He's, yeah, he's helium. getting in the top five mix. I think it's just that like, and then I, I do think, I, I don't really know. I don't really know like how to kind of quantify this specific draft. Cause like, I do think that, you know, I, I'd be very comfortable taking Cade. I'd be very comfortable taking Evan Mobley. I'd be very comfortable taking, Jalen Green, although there's like some higher bust potential there, but I'd be happy with like, okay, he's he's got a chance to be really good. Jalen Suggs, I think, is better served to be on a good team. Uh, I do think he's quite good. And then Kaminga is good. Like, I, I like him, but I don't know that Kaminga is like way better than Scotty Barnes because I think they're, you know, Scotty Barnes has a couple of skills he can hang his hat on right away, like the defense and the passing. Shooting's a huge concern, don't get me wrong, but like, if he's a 30% shooter, he could be a really good player. It may be a really good player. But I think this draft really falls off a cliff, like in the middle. Like, I don't really want to draft between like, I don't want like eight to like 22. Like I'd yeah. rather have, like, like one to seven. I'm okay with, I don't I really think want it's that like middle. NBA fans. We have to like realize that I think this draft is strong. Top three is strong. I, the kid, the kid from Turkey is getting a lot of love. Like Al, <laughs> right. Alperin Sangin is apparently, I, I think there's people that really, really like him and think he's going to be a star. And so like, that's an, another addition. Josh Giddy's pretty good. Like the international I think, class like, is pretty good. You have to like curb your expectations and be like, if you have the eighth pick, you're just hoping to get a guy who could be a starter. You know, and if you get Terrence Mann with the eighth pick, you're, you're pretty good. Like, yeah. like and who then, he is now. Like even late lottery picks, like 12, like, Probably getting a rotational player and maybe a starter. You, ho- you hope you're getting you, you, yeah. you, in those. Picks, I mean, in the just, long run, even you want to find somebody who can play in a playoff series. Like that's really yeah. the bottom line, right? Like you watch all these guys and they just bury their bench, and like you want to, you know, you want to find somebody in that situation that you can 
play in a playoff series, I think. But you know what's interesting? And we could tie this into coaching too, because the top, I thought, you know, would coach fits here, would coach fits there? Maybe it depends on the lottery. The four top teams are keeping their coach. So that didn't affect anything. I mean, this is a huge draft for Toronto. Like if you, like, let's say they're not going to get, I would assume that it will go, Unless think, like Jalen, uh, yeah, I think unless Jalen Suggs has a huge like workout with the Rockets, I just don't think they're going to take Jalen Suggs because I I think you need to go like more superstar upside. But like Toronto could take Jalen Suggs, throw him in the backcourt, and he could be like awesome for them right away next to Fred VanVleet, and all of a sudden it's like wow, they have like the rookie of the year, Siakam's healthy. Like they could be right back in the mix in the East. Well, you know I, what? I wouldn't count out. I think Evan Mobley is a top. Two prospects. He's I mean, really good. Yeah, he's not going to fall. I, but I, you I never know because like, like Houston has Christian Wood. Cleveland, Cleveland is has not. No, Jared Christian, Allen. Christian Wood and Jared Allen are not going to keep Cleveland or Houston from drafting. But if I was Toronto, I would be like, because I, I agree. I think Jalen. I think Jalen Suggs would be a fine like consolation prize for Toronto at four, but. If Houston's like in the mode of I want to acquire future first rounders, jump up, get Evan mm, Mobley to go on Toronto. Like, like Houston, Houston trades for like they don't really have any other things. My my the, the, that that's interesting for sure. And then the other one is like, what does Golden State do, right? Because they have seven and yeah, 14. they kind of they they had seven and fourteen. That's really not affected. That's not going to be a difference maker for them. What if they do something like take Corey Kispert seventh? Because like that, well, they could, they could, could probably be. they could that probably could take be. him fourteenth, honestly. But, Do you think Golden State with seven and fourteen does the, the whole like let's put them together with Wiseman and get a veteran? I think I think that's a real I think that's a real question to ask. I think that's something that I could definitely see them doing. I think I could also see them trading seven and fourteen to try to move up. Like well, even like seven and fourteen. What if they Houston is in tank mode, right? A rebuilding mode. Seven and fourteen for Christian Wood. Would they do that? Oh, I don't think so. Maybe I, I I don't know seven to fourteen just for Christian Wiseman. Wood, and then you can yeah. draft Evan Mobley. Why would you want Christian Wood and Wiseman? No, no, I'm not saying you get. Well, you could, you know, maybe you just don't think Wiseman's ready. You know? Yeah, I don't know, and and we have a lot of time to discuss this because it's it'll be a lot of fun. La- last couple things: Rick Carlisle out would expect yes. him to resurface with whatever the be- whatever he thinks is the best job. Stan Van Gundy out would expect him to resurface on TV and just become the new Hubie Brown because Hubie Brown's a million years old and he's starting to show some decline. He's still incredibly sharp, but uh, <laughs> I think he's amazing. I told Scott, my daddy he was 87. He's so good. He's he so was like good. inspirational. It's, 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 in, it's incredible. It's incredible. So yeah. Scott Brooks out, go be a lead assistant somewhere else with, uh, you know, young players, but he he's out. They wouldn't give him a long-term deal is what I heard. Uh, who else am I missing? Well, I think the theme. Nate Bjorkman, we already talked about. Right. Did we? Are but we like, I think the theme else? is like Mike Buttonholes are going to keep his job. Thankfully, unless Kevin they Durant's, get like swept. Thankfully, right? Kevin Durant's toe was on the line. <laughs> if they lose the Hawks, I think he's out. Maybe I don't think so. I don't. Um, think so. But I think there's a clear theme though. Here we're talking about coach getting fired. You yeah. know, Not like GM. the guy. No, but not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like the pure coach, the Stan Van Gundy. I'm not a former player. I'm just a guy who's an X and Oaks coach. I'm going to teach these players how to play basketball. And I think, I think it's part of like the social movement too. Like I think players want a former player, um, somebody they can relate to, uh, somebody who's not going to like bark at them like a guest Nate Bjorkren was. I think we're entering yeah, it's, a, like a more manager friendly. 
it's funny yeah. because like Stan is just the best. Like Stan is he's he's gonna be able to have a good offense. Like he's gonna have an okay defense. They gave him an absolute shit roster to try to put together, and then like it just didn't matter, right? And and everyone's like, oh yeah, he's gonna make ten million dollars to not coach, but like clearly he wanted another opportunity. You know, he kind of unlocked Zion a little bit and showed you what the blueprint needs to be for using Zion. But you're exactly right. Like he's just and JJ Reddick talked about this on like his podcast, like you don't want to play for Stan because like you don't want to have full sweat shoot arounds and you don't want to have three hour practices where you have to do conditioning stuff. Like that's just not the way the NBA is anymore. And so I would imagine that he's probably done, which is a shame. Cause I, I think that like, there are not many guys who are better X's and O's coaches than Stan Van Gundy out there, but he's, he's done. Like I said, he'll be great on TV. I'd expect Rick Carlisle to, like I, I said this before, it doesn't sound like he's going to get Portland. It does. It sounds like that's going to be Chauncey Billups, but I think Rick Carlisle was specifically waiting for Milwaukee, like specifically like thought that job was going to open and now it's not. So I'm interested to see what they do because yeah, I don't well, think he's going back happened. to Indiana. I think Stotts is going to get Indiana if he wants it. It I reminds think, you of Mike D'Antoni who left Houston. Maybe he was pushed out. I don't know, but didn't get another job. Um, yeah, he left on his own. He left on his own. Right. And, and so, did, so, did Rick, so did Rick Carlisle. Like, right. But he, you know, there was some talk that I think D'Antoni thought he was getting the indie job and didn't get it. Um, Last year. I think D'Antoni thought he was getting the Sixers job. Oh, maybe you're right, because he had been yeah. there before. But and I, he might I, get Portland, but I think it's going to be a while. I think the old white guy coach is, Chauncey is, is going to be Chauncey is getting Portland. Maybe maybe Becky Hammond, if ownership steps in and like you have to do this, right? I've heard, like I said, I've heard, I've heard Ime Udoka is going to get Boston. I don't know that that's 100%, but I've heard it. I, would ex- I, I feel like Wes Unseld is like the leader in D.C., but they're not down the road with their coaching search at all. So well, I want you to make a prediction because there's a lot of female candidates being Becky's going to be the first about. one to get a job. I, I thought, like, but if, do you think one of them will get a job this cycle? Plenty no. of candidates, plenty no. of openings. No, I, I agree with so. you. I, agree I, with I you. thought there was a chance that the wizards could hire Kara Lawson because she, she was there. She was like an announcer for them. Like she worked with the team. She spent some time with uh, Brad Stevens up in Boston. Like she's very well thought of. She is, a lifer in in the industry, like obviously played at Tennessee, played for Pat Summit. I thought there was a chance the Wizards would hire Kara Lawson, and I don't think that's going to be the case. It seems like Becky's the only one getting like right. and Portland's real Portland. second interviews. But she's D'Antoni has a second interview. Chauncey Billups has another interview. I, again, it seems like the smoke is that Chauncey Billups is going to get that job. And again, I don't know why they're not hiring a proven defensive coach. Like, because that's what they want. Like, why don't you just hire David Vanderpool? Like, he likes Dame. He, he knows him. He runs defenses wherever he is. Like, why are they hiring either a first-time head coach, Mike D'Antoni, who is a great offensive coach, but, like, they already had a great offensive coach, or Becky Hammond, who's a first-time head coach? What, what, well, how does that make sense I, for Portland? I think, I think it's the era of trying to make players comfortable. And yeah. like hiring guys that, and Houston. And that's did okay. Not, There's something to be said. I don't know. Like Houston, remember Houston did not do that. They didn't hire like James Harden's guy. Um, Who was James Harden's guy? It was what's his name? The older coach, Sean Lucas. He wanted him to get the job. Apparently, according did to he Lakers. really want him to get the job? I don't remember. Um, and obviously, Steve Nash is is I guess the Brooklyn's like pick their stars pick, and then. I think Nash was pretty him. good. Honestly, pretty I thought good. I thought Nash did a really bad job personally. Yeah, because you just series. thought he should have rested his players more. Right. You've given no other expect, explanation for what he did poorly, other than I, I his guys being rest. Play. <laughs> anyway, the, all right. The recipe gotta, of playing a star forty eight minutes a night, expecting him to carry the offense every night. They, he did that three, three times in a row. It might no, have he worked, sat but, him. He sat him in game two. In game six, he, he pulled yeah, once I mean, they were losing. On. That was like the margin for error. It's I like, thought Steve Nash did a pretty good job, but. 
All right, that's it for this week. We'll talk more coaching, especially as decisions get made. But just you know, we're going and right, right is right to me, it's Andrew Gallison. If you want to see the fourteen man mock draft again at some point, we did that last year. We had <laughs> oh, yeah. ten different people 14, come on the show. That's the worst for me because I have to, I have to, edit I have to it, edit but. it. And and listeners didn't love it either. All right, like, Zandrick Ellison, Zandrick Ellison at gmail.com. Downvote his Reddit posts and uh, tweet at him, Zan underscore Ellison on both platforms. Uh, just one one game a week, one game a night for for the time being. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we see Kawhi Leonard back. Hopefully, we see Chris Paul back. I, I don't think we're going to see Kawhi, but it'll be interesting. And uh, I'm excited for. I, I want the Bucks to win. I just wanted I just wanted that to go on record. I think that I, I want to see Giannis win a title because I think they deserve it. I think he's a good dude. I think, I think they, he's likable. I love his brother. Them. We've been on them for a while. I think they are going to win. I think they're going to win the title. Yeah, I hope so. All right, that is it for us this week. We'll be back next week, Zan. As always, buddy. It's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.